it's, uh, it's been a while, but this has been a theme we've talked about before and often here, I think often. Maybe not often. We'll find out if you remember it or not. Who am I? I keep going back to who am I because I believe it's foundational to the way you live your life. The things that you believe about yourself are the most important things that determine the way you think, the way you feel, what you'll say, the way you act, the way you view life. And so uh, a couple of recently, like back in 1990, I read this book called Victory Over the Darkness by Neil T. Anderson. I'd recommend it. Uh, I guess it wasn't so recently, was it, 1990? Some of you weren't even around in 1990. But uh, it was uh, foundational for me. Changed the way I think about everything, especially me. And so that's why I, I go back to that. And so just wanted to refresh and ask you, well, who are you? Right, when somebody asks you, Tony, who are you? Well, the first question, my first answer around here is, I'm Bill and Betty French's son, right? And that tells everybody who I am. And then, more recently, I say, well, I'm Lana's husband. Or I'm Aaron and Kelly and Katie and Emily's dad, right? That's who I am. Or I live in Highland, or I ride motorcycles, or I preach at the Christian Center, or I write software, or I like to hunt, or... What do, you, what do you answer the question with of when someone asks you, who are you? And while all those things are true about me, there are deeper, truer things about me and who I am. And so a lot of times when we think about who we are, we look at the things that we do and say, that's who I am. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I, I, I'm, I'm a basketball player, right? What is it that you do? I'm a musician, um, the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think who you are impacts you greatly. Let, let me give you an example. If someone asks you this about yourself, are you afraid to speak in public? Oh, yes, I'm afraid to speak in public. Guess what's going to happen when you get up and speak in public? You're going to be afraid. Now, you think you're afraid to speak in public, so you declare yourself that way. But it's the other way around. You've described yourself that way, and then that's the way you live. And so, um, I want to describe you today from the truth. You see, we live in a really, world, really weird culture these days, where the way you feel about yourself and you think about yourself... That's how you can describe yourself, right? Like, I'm an Indian. Now, if you know my genealogy, I have no Native American ancestry in my lineage anywhere. But if I want to declare myself to be an Indian, by gosh, I'm an Indian, right? That's the society we live in. I want to tell you, that's a really weak, poor way to live. You are who you are because of who you have been created to be. And living in that based on who you've been created to be is very powerful and it will change everything about you. So I want to describe who you are in Christ. That is the most important defining feature of you. If you are a follower of Jesus, 
Who are you in Christ? Another way of saying that is, who has Christ made you to be? He changed you. You know this, right? We're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So here we are in Christ, having an identity. So around this place, we have a source of truth. We call it the Bible or Scripture. And we can debate it and discuss it and look at it from all different angles, but one thing we're really not willing to do, and that's to say that the Bible's not true. So we claim and proclaim that the Bible is the living word of God and therefore true. And so these things that I'm about to read and to say about you are true. You get to choose whether you will believe them or not. But it doesn't change whether they're true. But what impact does it have on you if you choose to not believe the truth? Well, here we go back to one of my oldest stories. Let's just say I played a lottery ticket and I won $53 million and they put it in my bank account. Except I didn't believe it. I got the statement on my bank account and there's a whole row of numbers across the bottom. Clearly a mistake. There's no way I could have $53 million in my checking account. How will I live? Just the way I've always lived, based on the same old $42 that's always in my account. Right? Instead of knowing and living with the $53 million, I'm living on the 42. That's the description of what we do in this life today. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ have won the lottery. The $53 million has been placed in my life, in my being. I can choose to ignore that and live the way I've always lived. Or I can choose to believe Jesus, that's what he said, and it will change everything about me. That's why, who am I? It's the most foundational question we can ask. And these things that we're about to read are absolutely true. It's not random. These are not different gifts that some have received and some haven't. This is who we are in Jesus Christ. It applies to everyone who is a believer who follows Jesus Christ. This, uh, I'm going to make a long list. And I'm going to make another long list next week and another long list the next week. And then we'll cover all three areas, right? The first one. I am God's child. John 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I could talk about each one of these verses for a long time, but I have a lot of them. So I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to you about these verses. The truth of this verse is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's child. So I'm God's child, and I am Christ's friend. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. I am Jesus' friend. I am God's child. So are you if you're in Christ Jesus. I have been justified. 
What's justified mean? Just as if I hadn't sinned. Okay? There's the really cheap definition, but it helps me remember what it means to be justified. I've been made right. I was in a position that was not right, and now I have been justified. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I have been justified. So, God's child, Christ's friend, I've been justified. And I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. The picture that's starting to be painted here, do you see this picture? I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. God has accepted me. He's accepted you. I am God's child. I'm Christ's friend. The things that cause division between me and God, Jesus rectified that. So now I can be united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. This is a picture, an example of the perfect marriage. United, one with the Lord, one with him in spirit, where there is unity, where two people are going the same direction, we're together. That's who I am in Jesus Christ. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. And I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. I like to watch TV shows like American Pickers and Scrappers and all that kind of stuff. They go out and find old junk and they just try to snatch it up and then sell it to somebody that will make something good of it. You were not salvaged junk that Jesus picked up. He paid the price for you. Now let me ask you, when you see something that you really want, what do you do? You gather up the necessary money, funds, and you go buy that. If you have to get a loan, you go get a loan. That's what Jesus did. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. You're not the refuse, the throwaway stuff that just had no place else to go. God bought you. He saw you and said, I want that one. That one's mine. And he bought it. And that's you. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. And I am a member of Christ's body. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you who are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. I'm just taking little pieces of these verses. You should go look. 
Look these up and see what it says in context. I'm just hitting the highlight of what it says of who I am in Christ. But I am a member of Christ's body. Each of us is a part of Christ's body. And I am a saint. Now it's interesting to me over the years as I've gone through this with people. Most of the ones along here that we've read, people will say, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I've been bought with the price. Yeah, I've been justified. But when we get to this one, I am a saint, you would be amazed. Or maybe you wouldn't be amazed at how much pushback I get on calling somebody a saint. Oh, no, I'm not a saint. This is where we get to, right? You look at this list and you decide and you choose that you're not this, that you're something else. And that's where troubles start coming for you. But in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, this was just one of the letters Paul wrote, and he was just addressing to the church. He was not picking out the special ones in the church to address the letter to. He was talking to everybody at the church. All the followers of Jesus Christ were all known as saints. Now, what difference would it make in your life if you knew that you were a saint? Would it change anything? Well, you're a saint, my friend. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's who he's made you to be. Sorry, I know you'd like to be the court jester or the janitor. Because there's less responsibility for those two, right? I get it. But that's not who you are in Christ. You're a saint. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. And... I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Remember in grade school? The fat, slow kid that couldn't play kickball or any of those things? I'm him. You know what happened in grade school every time we'd split up teams? If I was lucky, the one picking teams was a friend of mine and they'd pick me because of my friendship. But on normal days, they wanted to win the game. <clears throat> so I was usually part of a package deal at the end. I'll take Tony if you take those two. Right? You understand that kind of... Maybe you don't understand that. I hope you do not understand what I'm talking about. But that's not what happened when God looked at me. He chose me. Before creation, he chose me. He said, Tony's mine. I want him. And he adopted me into his family and made me his child. Do you want to know what it's like to be chosen? The special that is on you because God chose you God chose you you have been chosen by God and adopted as his child you know I, I've talked to some adopted people 
And they, one of the lines they had is, your parents had to take you, my parents picked me. And I, you know, I understand that mentality, right? God didn't have to take me. He chose me. He wanted me. And he adopted me into his family. So, I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. And I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. And I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 For through him, that's Jesus, we have both access to the Father by one Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit in me, I can talk to God. Now, if you know anything about power structures and organizations like in the military or the government or even large corporations, right? There's a chain of command. And I'm down here in the peon level and I want the president to know something. I have to tell my boss, who tells his boss, who tells his boss, who hopefully will relay it on to the president, right? Now, you've all played that game where you sit in a circle of chairs and you passed a secret around and you, you found out by the end of the, the string of what the people said was the secret is almost never what the secret was. That's the way that works, right? So if I have to tell you so that you can tell this one so they can tell that one so they can tell God... What kind of relationship do I have with God? That is not the relationship I have. I have direct access to the throne of grace. What that means is when my dad is in on the throne doing business, I throw the door open and run into the throne room and walk right up to him and say, Hey, Dad, can you, can I? And, and he tells the other important people in the room, Hang on a second. My son is here. And my son and my father, we talk to each other. And, and then he gets back to what he was doing. See that? See the special place you have in the heart of God? You have direct access. You never get, Shh, I'm busy, Tony, wait. It's not how God responds. I have direct access to God. Through the Holy Spirit. I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been justified. I'm united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body. I'm a saint. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. And I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I used to be part of another dominion. Domain. And that was the domain of darkness. Jesus snatched me out of that and brought me into the dominion of light, the kingdom of heaven, into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And in doing that, he redeemed me. I've been redeemed. What's that mean? For those that 
or old or live in certain states now when you buy a pottle of pop you pay like in Iowa I think you pay five or ten or fifteen cents extra for the bottle of pop and then after you're done with it you can take that empty bottle back and get your five or ten or fifteen cents back now that's a garbage piece of bottle right but when you turn it back in you get it redeemed you get your money back that's me I was over here in this darkness domain and Jesus paid the price for me he bought me and he brought me out of that and put me back where I belong in the kingdom of heaven and he did that in doing that he had to forgive my sins because it was my sin that threw me over in the domain of darkness so he brought me back if I had been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins are you reading this list with me I am God's child I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. And... I have direct access to the throne of grace. Not only to God, but to the throne of grace. Direct access is in here twice. I know. Because it's so important. Hebrews 4, 14, and 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Our Father, on the throne of grace, wants us to come to Him. We're not an interruption. We're not a bother. We can go to Him with confidence. What confidence do we have? Because we're His child. Because we've been accepted. Because we've been redeemed. Because we belong to the kingdom of heaven. That's what gives us the confidence. I have been accepted by God. So I can go to him in confidence. I don't, my dad used to say that when some people worked for him, they had to back up to get their paycheck. And what that means is they couldn't look at him. They had to stick their hand out behind him and kind of back up and get their money and, and walk away. Those who worked hard put their hand out in front and say it's payday now we don't go to God with arrogance we go to God with confidence it's not because of anything I've done that I have access to the throne of grace it's because what Jesus has done and now I have access and you know I don't like to be critical and negative I'm good at it but I don't like it but when I listen to some people pray, and if this is you, I apologize. God, we just need you to remember that we need some rain for the corns. Could you just send a quarter inch of rain, God? That's all we're asking is just a little bit. Now, what's the rain you need? Is that how you pray? God, here I am again. I know but you didn't give me what I asked last time and I'm back this time asking where you been why don't you show up I just need it's I'm not asking for the world God I just need a little Is that how you pray 
Because that's not coming to God with confidence, is it? How about confidence looks like this? Well, here's what I know. God, it takes a half inch of rain a week to make my yard green. I'm assuming you know that too, God. So, God, I, I, we're ready for the half inch of rain. Glorify yourself. Send the rain. You are a good, kind, and gracious God. Amen. I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. You see, God and I are not in adversarial roles where I'm trying to negotiate something with him. We are in the same kingdom. We're on the same team. He's my father. I'm his son. We're together. See how that works? I'm not trying to get God to do something he doesn't want to do. I want what God wants. We're on the same team. And I have direct access to the throne of grace so I can receive mercy and find grace in my time of need. And the last one. I am complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. What do you lack? The correct answer is nothing. You lack nothing. You've been made full in Christ. Are there, are there things that, that we need and conditions and situations we're working through? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we need more money to do such and such and to build a shelter for the homeless and feed these? Yes. What about me? What am I lacking? Nothing. Now, the problem with this is I, I know that we don't all believe this. And the sad reality of the way I know we don't believe this is because of the way we live and the way we speak. Right? This one says, I am complete in Christ. What do you say? What do you confess to be true in your life? I'm lonely. I'm, I just need more grace. I just need forgiveness. I just need friends. I just need some more money. I just need a better job. I just need these people to respect me. I just need things to work out this way. See, that's what we say. What are we confessing when we speak that way? That what we have in Jesus Christ is not enough. And that I need something else. I know, dang it. I hate it when my words betray what I believe. But they always do. So I would ask you, listen to yourself. What do you hear yourself say? It'll tell you what you believe. Now, I'm not telling you to lie to yourself. That's not the solution here. Oops, I won't say that. Well, no, what I'm telling you is, believe the truth, and that will come out in your words. Where do your words come from? Overflow of your heart. What's in your heart? That's what comes out of your mouth. 
That's why James says it's impossible to tame the tongue. Because it's a heart issue. Jesus needs to change your heart. So I didn't ask you today of this list of things of who you are in Christ. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I have direct access to the throne of grace. I am complete in Christ. All of these things are under one category of who I am in Christ. And who I am in Christ is accepted. God accepts me. That's what this list shows us, is how God accepts us. Now what happens if you choose to not believe that in Christ I am accepted? If you don't believe you are accepted, what happens? What does life look like? Well, you spend a lot of time wondering if God loves you. Does he really? How could he? Because after what I just thought and what I just did, there's no way God could love me. Remember that list we went through? None of that was based on your performance. Everything about you being accepted was based on the performance of Jesus Christ, not you. So if you don't believe that you're accepted, you're going to spend a lot of time and energy and effort wondering if God loves you. And because you wonder or doubt that God loves you, you'll need to perform to get God to accept you. And you'll be in this negotiation deal with God all the time that you hear people say, well, God, if you just, if you just heal grandma's cancer, I'll go to church every Sunday. You know the work that is, right? To try to perform, to make Almighty God happy. If you've taken that on as a burden of yours, you know what a burden that is. You can't do it. So what happens when you wonder God loves you and you need to perform? Well, then you don't get approval from God or you're not sure about that, so you start looking around at other people. And you say, well, I'm not sure that God loves me or accepts me, so well, how about you? Do you love me? Do you accept me? What do you think of me? Anybody ever tried to live as a people pleaser? You want to be exhausted? Try to please people. You can't please people. I'm not saying anger people or just try to make them mad. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying trying to pursue validation from other people. So what do you say, kids? Have I been a good dad? Oh, you're the number one dad. On Father's Day, what happens the next day? I need a new bike. I need a new car. The kids are going to the movies. Where's the money for that, Dad? You're not going, oh, you're the worst dad ever. I hate you. Right? It's a terrible way to live. Because you can never rest. Because you must work for acceptance. The standard for God is pretty high. And when you take that burden on yourself to try to show God that you're worthy... Number one, 
You're not going to get it done. And number two, you're going to be exhausted in trying to do it. Now, does this describe anybody you know? Me too. What's the issue? It's that we don't believe we're accepted by God. What would happen? What would change in your life if you believe that you are accepted? What would that look like? Well, you absolutely know that God loves you. You know some truth is this. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there is nothing I can do to make God love me less. If you think about that for a minute, God loves me without regard to anything I do. Do you feel the burden come off? I'm not giving you permission to do whatever you want to do. I'm trying to lift that burden off that you thinking that performing in this way is going to make God happy. Sorry, friends. You don't have that much power. God loves you. Now, what do I do based on the fact that God loves me? What happens when I am completely faithful and obedient? God loves me. What happens when out of unbelief and fear and anxiety and worry, I go off and do my own thing? God loves me. The added burden of thinking that because of my sin, God has to put me aside is exhausting. But the reality of knowing that my sin has been forgiven and God loves me. Because of that, I can admit my fault and go to God and seek repentance and, and repent and seek forgiveness and restoration. Because I don't have to put up a a false front to say, oh, look at me and how good I am, God. Did you see that? I can be honest and open and real. And when I sin, I can go to God and say, oh, no, I did it again, God. And he'll say, I know. Get up, dust your knees off, wipe the tears off your face. Let's get back at it. And because I know that God accepts me, I'm now free from pleasing people. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can like me. You cannot. It's okay with me. Just as a side note, I prefer you like me. But if you don't, that's okay. Why? Because God likes me. And he trumps you. He matters more to me than you do. Because he's bigger than you. And if I'm pleasing him, he'll deal with you. So I don't have to. I'm going to love God and love you and, and hope that you receive it well. But quite frankly, if you don't, it's between you and God. Do you understand the freedom of living that way? That I don't have the burden of trying to keep you happy? It's impossible. It's freedom is what it is. It's life and freedom. 
And because if I believe that I'm accepted in God, then I can rest. Now, I don't mean sit down and stop. I mean rest. Have you ever been working hard at something, and all of a sudden you realize that every muscle in your body is tense? You know, you're focused on something, and oh, it's just everything is tense, right? You know that? That's exhausting to live that way. It's, it's bad enough that what you're trying to do requires effort and energy, but just that constant clenched. <clears throat> because I know God accepts me, the weight has been lifted. Now, I can run in the path of his commands. And maybe as I'm running in the path of his commands, maybe I'm going to slip and fall off the path. He's going to get me back up and put me right back on the path. Because I'm accepted, I can face life like somebody who works out. You know there's limited benefit, but there is benefit in physical training. Have you ever gone to the gym and worked out or done any kind of exercise program? Any exercise program like that, is all, they're all destined for failure. Right? The whole point is failure. What do I mean? You start lifting weights. Say you're bench pressing. And, okay, you do just the bar or less than the bar and just do your hands. And you do ten of them. And you say, oh, that was easy. Yeah, you weren't exercising. You were just moving. What happens when you put weights on there? Well, the first four or five, that's easy. And then number six and number seven and number eight, I'm not going to make it. And number, I can't get it up. And somebody has to help you get back up on the thing. And you know what happens next? Hey, well done. Good job. Good effort, Tony. That was awesome. You failed. And they said, good job. Now, why can't we do that in the rest of life where it really matters? In the spiritual training, in the real life. Yeah, I made lunch five days in a row and it was good. And on Saturday, I burned it. Oh, you're a terrible mother. No, well done. You did five days in a row. Good job. Why can't we celebrate? Do you think you're going to be perfect? God doesn't. And he accepts you anyway. Can't you accept yourself? Can't you give yourself some grace and some mercy that God gives you? Or are you a higher standard than God's for yourself? So who are you? Well, in Jesus, I've been accepted by God. I'm his. I am accepted. Let me get back to that list one more time. I am God's child. I am Christ's friend. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and am one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price. I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I have direct access to the throne of grace. I am complete in Christ. And friends, if you are in Jesus Christ, these things are true about you. Now, right now, I know you have that knowledge and belief in your head, in your mind. 
What our prayer is, is the Holy Spirit, through the power of wisdom and revelation, will move that truth from your mind down into your heart. For you will believe it to be true, absolutely. Because what you believe in your heart determines the way you live. If you'll believe these things about yourself, they are true. It will change the way you view yourself, the way you view God, and the way you view others. It will give you life and freedom. Jesus, uh, who am I? Well, I'm your friend, Jesus. I'm your joint heir. I'm your brother. I have been accepted by God the Father. I belong here. Jesus, I know it's not because of anything I've done, but it's because of what you've done. So, speak truth to me, Jesus. Tell me what is true. Fix the broken places in my heart that are not able to accept this truth. And set me free that I can be fully alive. We thank you and praise you. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen.